This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Well, hey, friends, I'm Eric Nordoff, and I'm back here on location in western Michigan, uh, sitting out here on the front porch of my in-law's house, uh, enjoying the beautiful countryside, some cars going by occasionally, birds are chirping. It is a good day. I hope you're having a good day wherever you are. It's Memorial Day weekend as I'm recording this, and uh, we continue today on uh, our interview with Neil Anderson, author of Being the Starfish. And last we left off, we had a little bit of just an introduction, and we he started sharing about how he got started working at Southwestern Books. And I asked him to share more details about what that first week looked like, what that first day looked like, when he got thrown out basically into the wilderness to fend for himself, to provide for himself, to even find a place to live. And so listen to the answers, because we are going to be encouraged by the words of his testimony. Uh, Listen as Neil shares what happened to him and how he got started and and how this helped him to overcome fear and build courage in his life. So without further ado, part two of my interview with Neil Anderson, author of Being the Starfish. So tell me, what, what, what were you feeling like, though, um, now I'm not talking about after six years, but that first day, those first, that first week you showed up and you needed to not just sell books, but you, so you weren't even given a place to stay. No, you were, that's sent- part of the program. That's part of the training. I didn't understand that. Yeah. It's tell, awesome. Tell me, just tell me about that. I mean, did you get a, a week's worth of training and then they sent you off to different part of the country or tell me a little bit more about what went on behind that and, and then get to your first day or week and tell me yeah. what you experienced. So this is interesting because Southwestern, I think this is their 161st summer doing this. Mm-hmm. So they are the oldest direct selling company. Huh. And um, so that, that's, it's, it's kind of interesting when you're with a startup, which doTERRA was, and then you're with one that's been doing this so long and has built, I don't know what now, 13 companies from that model. So they have this intensive sales school in Nashville, Tennessee. So students from around the country will all carpool caravan down to Nashville or up or across or over. And then they have a week of intensive human behavior training, um, sales communication, and role-playing. And it, we would role-play over and over. And the intensity was that you never stood around. You just ran up to somebody and just started approaching them. You know, And we would have these little pre-approach binders, and that would be the door. So if you ran up to somebody, they would just hold up their thing, and you would knock three times, step back. Um, so they trained you on all of those things, plus they trained you on how to find your own place to live. Now, what's interesting, I'll take a little side note, is that when kids are done with this, when they go get their first job, a lot of them just knock on doors to find a place to live for 10 bucks a week rather than renting an apartment because they'd done it so many times in the summertime. So um, then what happens is, is that the Thursday night um, of that week, you are told where your sales territory is going to go. So think about this. You're recruiting people to go do this. And then you have to convince a parent to go do a job that they don't know anything about, 
that they have no clue how much money they're going to make, and they don't know where they're going until they've already been gone a week at the sales school, right? Wow. Right. So you have to have pretty good skills to be able to foster a relationship with a parent to get them to go do that. So I found out where I was going, and I had four roommates, and we went to Asheville, North Carolina. So it was kind of cool because it was only a little drive from Nashville, Tennessee. Right. So we get there, and they put me – um, and I was older. See, most of these kids are 18, 19. I was 29 my first year selling books. Oh, so think, gotcha. So think about the cool card that I have to lose mm-hmm. by, you know, working with, with kids basically. Right. And um, so they put me with like some of the people that were just uh, – well, they, they didn't have a great shot, put it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, I was all fired up when I got there. And after about two days of looking for a place to live um, – they uh, and I think we we finally found one. These guys were just so off schedule and they were pulling me down. So I go out to work and I remember knocking on my first door and I'm just praying to God nobody's home. And I'm like, oh, please don't answer the door. And uh, you know, it just I felt, and I, hopefully this will be really helpful for your listeners, is that I felt like I was bothering people. Mm-hmm. I felt like you know what am I doing? I'm interrupting people. This is crazy. Um, and I, you know, would just off schedule and, you know, you're supposed to just, you know, 30 demos a day and it's an intense schedule. And if you stay on the schedule all summer, it's, it's a lot easier. If you jump off of it and go, oh, I'm going to go to a movie at two o'clock. It's so hard to go back to work. And we go to the Sunday meeting and Sundays were set aside for training and then go do a little fun activity and then head uh, back to your HQ and then get ready for the week. And I remember showing up and I, I had like very little numbers. I was ready to go home. And I remember, um, I, hopefully I'm going to see him this weekend in Indianapolis, but my buddy um, who was the organizational leader, Tim Sweeney, uh, and he was very competitive. He was a swimmer. And he just sort of looked at me and said, I mean, if you want to quit, go home. And I, I heard that and I'm like, you know, I figured he was going to talk me into staying like they do everybody else. And I said, well, he kind of saw him at my face and, and he said, well, I mean, do you want to? And I'm like, no, I don't want to. And what he did was all my roommates had quit by that time. And he oh. moved me in. He moved me in with um, this great family. This this family had sold books for six summers and then he uh, sold suits for the Tom James company, still does, um, which is a Southwestern started company. And um, it was really interesting because – uh, I was like dead last probably in the company and I went out and it was interesting. I was reading the greatest salesman in the world three times a day, just like they tell you to do it. And I was saying, you know, just positive affirmations. And, and the interesting thing is, is I was not a believer at that time huh. and I started doing better and I started doing better. And then on 4th of July, uh, and again, people are like, why would you work 4th of July? And it's like, well, because most people would think you wouldn't. So if you do, then you move to the front of the line in the job market, right? Mm-hmm. Plus, everybody buys on 4th of July. Do they really? Oh, my God. Best days I've ever had are Memorial Day and 4th of July. Mm-hmm. So I show up on Kay Chambers' um, kind of front steps underneath her carport and, um, or side steps. And uh, she asked me, she says, hey, you know, I said, Hey, I'm Neil. I'm talking to all the families with kids. She goes, Oh, my kids are grown and gone. And, you know, and then she, um, she says, do you know, Jesus. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're like the 400th person that's asked me that, you know, cause I'm in Bible belt, Tennessee. This time I'm in Johnson city selling, I'm living there, live, uh, 
working in Elizabethan, okay. which is and I'm working they in. Moved you from Asheville? Yeah, that, that didn't yeah, work. Got yeah. It. Well, they all quit, and you got to live with somebody. Um, and I said, you know, um, well, everybody's been t- talking to me about it, and we just prayed, and it was interesting because she kind of gave me a hug, and I remember the next like ten doors I went to, I didn't feel any rejection. I had no fear. I had nothing. Huh. And it was interesting going, you know, it was probably a month had gone by going from being scared to death to knocking a door because I was bothering people. I was, um, you know, I, I wasn't good at it. And um, I don't like like anybody doesn't like being not good at something. And to go to that point and then, um, you know, to continue to, to work and work. And then f- I ended up finishing number 26 out of about 3000 college students, wow. um, summer when I was ready to pack my bags and quit. Now imagine how my life would have turned out had I decided to do that. Because a couple things to remember is that I knocked on a door in 1997 in Texas where a mom was sitting on a picnic bench. I ran up she had outside of a trailer, she had tears in her eyes. And then, um, I saw this guy walking a trailer and I ran up, Hey, I'm Neil. I'm showing books for school, help with homework and all that. And I saw she was crying and I said, what's up mom, what's going on? And she said, well, that guy that walked in the trailer just asked me for divorce and he's from here. He knows all the lawyers. He knows everybody. I'm screwed. And it was at that point I said, no, you're not. I'll go to law school. And I ended up actually going to law school. Well, had I not gone to law school, I would like most likely have stopped selling books after college, but I needed to pay my own way through school because I didn't have anybody to pay. So um, I sold books all the way through law school, but I met my wife, Erin, in 1998. So you think about like the fear that you have and what it causes you not to do and how the course of your life can be drastically altered by just not knocking on that one door at the exact time. Because had I, had I messed up and said, oh, I'm just going to take today off because I don't feel like working, that lady wouldn't have been sitting on that picnic table. And you, and wouldn't, that's you wouldn't have been able to walk up to her to sit on that picnic right. table. Right. So right. I mean, she might have. She probably wouldn't have been. I mean, I, the, so the thing is, we look at the fear that we have. And a lot of people jump on, you know, it's your mindset. And let's jump up a bunch of affirmations and and do all this stuff. And it's like, you know, it's a lot simpler. It's like, take the emotion out of it and just go do the right next thing. I mean, how scary is it to knock on a door? Can you raise your hand? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can you move it forward? Yes. Can you step back three steps? Yes. Can you say, hi, I'm Neil. Um, and in our instance, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm talking to families about how to you know, live a natural lifestyle. I'm using essential oils and a bunch of other things. I've got a class coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'd love you to come. Can you make it? Mm-hmm. Like, can you do that? Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. So why don't more people do it? Fear. Fear. Well, Fear it's because the they're, step. right. Well, it's because they're thinking about themselves. Now, Amen. jump back to the books. Where did it turn for me? And where it turned for me is I went from worrying about me bothering people to saying, listen, there is nobody else out here talking to parents and kids about education in their living room. Mm. All right. Teachers don't do it. You don't show up at the house and say, you know, I mean, how many teachers have asked parents, why do you feel education so important? Right. And really do a needs analysis with kids to build the value in the education. 
All right. I don't know if they do that or not, but in Raleigh, they don't knock on your door and show up and have a discussion for 20 to 30 minutes about the importance of education. And what I said was when I get there, whether they buy or they don't buy, I've made a difference because if nothing, parents and kids got to have me talk to them about the importance of education. And some of these places I sold, they never had seen a college student unless it was their teacher. Mm. These are factory towns. I worked out and I mean, it's all over the place on the border of Mississippi and Alabama. I mean, all over. And my conversation with myself was my job is not to sell somebody. My job is to go ahead and talk to people and make a list and cross them off the list. Mm. And if they buy, they buy. If they don't, it's no big deal. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Mm -hmm. That's it. And enough people are going to buy at the end of the summer where my needs will be taken care of. But let's go try to find the next family that needs a discussion about the importance of education. And I loved it when parents, when kids would see parents spending money on something like education rather than video games and hundred dollar, you know, I love Seth Curry, but you know, Steph Curry shoes and, and they, and, and even if they never use the books, them seeing their parents spend money on that and have the parents talk about why education is important to them in front of their kids was totally worth it. And then that was my conversation with myself when I went to the door and I'd sit there and I'd go, you know, 20 minutes with spending with me, is a lot better than whatever you're watching on TV. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, what I love about this whole thing is you're you're you said it. You're taking yourself out of the picture. When you begin to stop worrying about yourself and stop thinking about what this is possibly going to, uh, how this is going to affect you, and you begin to think about, you know, what I'm bringing is so valuable to these people that um, it's worth it for me to, to overcome what, whatever sort of awkwardness there is for about two seconds um, until I get the words out and say what I need to say. And that Absolutely. Can, so that, that can be applied to anything that you do. And so your experience, I mean, that is the ultimate, it is. It's, the, it's, like, it's like a military exercise that you've gone through. So that's part two of my interview with Neil Anderson of Being the Starfish. Tomorrow, we're going to dive into the controlling the controllables, the three elements that we can always control. Now, I know that kind of is the opposite of what we like to talk about here, which is we are not in control. God is in control. But there are three things that he allows us to steward and that he allows us to take care of. And they're actually very good because they're healthy for us. And so we dive into that tomorrow and we talk about what we're overcoming, what kinds of fear we're overcoming uh, tomorrow uh, in more depth. So I'm excited to share that part of it with you. And then we begin to also dive into the share cycle tomorrow. Well, that's it for me today, friends. Uh, As a reminder, go to CourageousCommunity.com and click on the Facebook link and join the Courageous Community. That's the place where we can interact and talk about this episode and about this series of conversations that I have with Neil Anderson. Uh, Please give me your thoughts and feedback there. Also, give a rating and review on iTunes. You can do that very easily by going to iTunes and looking up Courage Cast. You can subscribe and save there, but click on the rating and review. More people find us that way. And lastly, go to CourageousCommunity.com, and right there you'll be able to download the free audio of Who I Am in Christ. It's a one-hour audio download that 
gets into and dives into who you are in Christ and what he says about you, what he says about himself, and how you know you can depend on him. It's a great confidence builder, and so I encourage you to go and do that. We'll send you an email, and you can download that really, really easily. Thanks so much, friends, for joining me out here in uh, the farmlands of Western Michigan. I'm excited to be here joining me, joining you out here, and um, please forgive all the noise in the background, and please also forgive it being a little bit longer of a podcast, but I think you'll find it to be worthwhile uh, just to listen to the words of Neil's testimony as he talks about his entrepreneurial life and being the starfish. That's it for me, friends. I'll see you again on another episode of Courage Cast.